This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. It is a Thursday edition of the Draft Show where we are 97 days from the NFL Draft in April. And, well, now that we're in double digits, we've got to get into the triple digits in terms of top 100 lists. And we're going to do just that. Dane Brugler has his top 100 NFL Draft prospects. We're going to break that down. We're also going to talk a little bit of Senior Bowl here as well. So Senior Bowl is just on the horizon over the next couple of days. And there are plenty of prospects that both you and the Dallas Dallas Cowboys should have your eyes on, but, well, it's going to be a fun one because we've got a battle brewing between Dave Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, and Kevin Turner as well. I'm Kyle Yeomans, and, uh, well, before we get into really the battle that's been brewing on Twitter, Jeff, I know you've already talked about it on, on Twitter. Dane's even alluded to it a little bit as well. We're going to talk some safeties, but I do want to get into this top 100 initially and kind of get into it and talk about these top 100 players off the bat, Dane, who you've got kind of uh, posted on The Athletic and who you've got tabbed as the top prospects overall. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough doing these type of lists because, uh, you know, there's no scheme that I'm scouting for, and so there's a lot of generalities that you have to get through, but uh, we try to stack these these players, just trying to, the best players in this class, it's very offensive, top heavy. Um, you know, I, I think my first defensive player is Caleb Farley at number 10. Uh, my top corner, uh, you know, I, and I, I don't think that, you know, anybody that's been listening to the show, I don't think that surprises anybody. Uh, this is, we just don't have that top 10 pass rusher. Uh, some of these linebackers are intriguing, but uh, I don't know that they're top 10 locks. So Caleb Farley at 10, Patrick Sertan at 11, top two defensive players uh, on my board. And then I thought it was interesting how many edge players I ended up having between, you know, 16 and then like, 30. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of talented guys from uh, Audra Larry from Georgia. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jason Oway from Penn State. Um, you know, there, there, there's plenty of different options there. If there's, if you're the Cowboys and you're looking for a trade back opportunity, that's where I think the sweet spot is for that edge position. Um, it's a very strong. Uh, when I went through the top 100, it counted up the positions. Wide receiver led the way with 17. Um, offensive tackle was double digits at 10. Uh, pass rusher was 13. Corner was 11. So we're looking at four positions that had double digits in the top 100. Four positions that I think a lot of teams, including the Cowboys in some of those areas, uh, could definitely use. Now, I'm looking through your list, and you have the top non-Trevor Lawrence named player as Pene Sewell, and we've kind of talked about him at length. And then right after that, Jamar Chase, instead of maybe a Devontae Smith, what's the reason why you went over Devontae Smith, who was a Heisman winner, had one of the best receiver years in NFL history, and you put Jamar Chase up in front? Yeah, and I I think that with Devontae Smith, he's had a fantastic year, like you said, but Jamar Chase last year had a fantastic year, and we just can't forget about that. I think he's got the more projectable body. Um, I I think that uh, with Jamar Chase, I just just like him a little bit more, and that's I still like Devontae Smith quite a bit, but if I had the choice between the two, I'm giving Chase the slight edge. I, I think that my ball mentality that he has is going to serve him very well in the NFL. Um, there's a little bit of Larry Fitzgerald there with what Chase can do. And so I think it's, it's easy. You know, recency bias is a real thing uh, for us and for NFL teams. But Jamar Chase was so good last year that I don't think he's going to be overlooked. I, I think that Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, we've got three high-end wide receivers in this class, and all three have a good chance to be taken uh, somewhere in the top 10 to 12 picks. And, of course, I mean, you, you talk about secondary, and there's plenty of secondary players up at the front part of this draft. You've got Kayla Farley at 10. He's cornerback one. Then you've got Patrick Sertan at two. But then if you want to look at a safety, you got to go all the way down to 33 on the list, and that's where Trayvon Morig out of TCU is the top safety on the board. He's my top safety as well, but he's a little bit higher than maybe 33 just by a little bit so far. But, uh, Jeff, I see you sporting the TCU jacket now. I I didn't see it in the open. I wish I would have, but 
You're leaning back. You're, you're looking at this TCU jacket. Is that for Mohawk? Is that who you're supporting in this very moment? Because he is the top safety on the board. That's a great question, Kyle. You know, he is a top three safety in this draft class, so um, that would be a good reason to wear the TCU hoodie. But I'm actually, uh, I'm actually rocking the TCU hoodie in honor of his teammate and the best safety in this draft, our Darius Washington, mm. who, uh, who didn't make Dane's top 100 because, as I've learned about Dane over the years, Dane hates small people, uh, which I got to tell you, it's surprising because Dane, are you, well, Dane ain't 6'3", you know? No, and you're so, taller than I am, yeah. Right, so Dane's blatant <laughs> disrespect to uh, my five foot eight safety, it hurts my heart. Uh, our Darius Washington on tape for me is the best safety in this class. And look, I get it, 5'8", 178 is what he's listed at, and it's like, oh my gosh, he's so small. Sometimes in this game, what I've decided is you have to just watch him, and if you believe it, then you say it. And what I believe is that our Darius Washington, out of all the safeties that I've watched, uh, is instinctually the best. He is physical. He will run the alley and tackle. He plays single high and covers for teammates. When he's playing man, quarterbacks won't even look at him. Uh, our Darius Washington, to me on tape, is the best safety at TCU, and he's the best safety in the country. So he can't make the top 100 because Dane doesn't like little people, but uh, our Darius Washington's an absolute stud, and he'll be in my top 30. Mm. Hey, I, I, love, I love that conviction. Love that conviction. KT, I was I just going to see where you sat here before we heard Dane's rebuttal on, on the, the safeties back and forth between Washington and Mowrig. Yeah, I like Morig more. Jeff said Ardarius Washington's 5'8". I mean, that might be pushing it a little bit. 5'6", 5'7". I mean, look, he's tiny. He's wow. really small. He's really small. Um, and, hey, I'm no, uh, you know, minute bowl here. So, but uh, I, I think I think what I would say is when I watch them play, I like Ardarius Washington's movement skills. I like the way he moves. I like that he's got the junkyard dog in him, and he wants to go up and throw his body around and tackle. I just don't think that is going to work on defense. I just don't <laughs> think – Five seven. Five, I'll give Jeff five eight. <coughs> when, what's his weight? Uh, well, hold on, hold on, KT. Look, there's no combine this year. I'm going to call him five ten and see if I can get away with it. I don't care. <laughs> he's listed at he's listed at one seventy eight now. But here's the thing: the size. Here's here's the way I deal with the size thing. Does it ever hurt him? Sure. He has a smaller tackle radius. He misses a couple of tackles because he can't wrap a guy up because he's he's a smaller guy. But like. I watched Asante Samuel Jr., and when they played Clemson, the first two plays of the game, they threw it up on him, and they took him yeah. off the field. They took Asante Samuel Jr. off the field. Our Darius Washington in both 2019, like 2019 people tried him because they didn't know him, so he had four or five picks. 2020, he had no picks, and I did two full games of him in 2020, and I didn't see a target. People don't throw at him. Like If it's going to get you hurt, I'm waiting for it to get him hurt because people don't throw at him because you can't get open. So, I mean, that's just, as Dane said, I am convicted. This is, or Darius Washington's my guy. And like Dane said with uh, Jamar Chase, he mentioned Larry Fitzgerald to me. And I don't care. Kill me for it. Shades of Honey Badger. That's what I see in our Darius Washington. Wow. Uh, and, look, I, here's my thing with Washington. I don't even think he's a safety. I think he's a nickel-only player. And I, and I like Washington. I think he's uh, somewhere early day three for me, uh, you know, fourth, fifth round. Uh, I think he runs well. Uh, he's a solid open field tackler. Uh, he, he breaks down well, uh, you know, brings his feet to balance and finishes uh, when he stays square. But like you said, that lack of length, it just it shows up. There are too many, you know, quote unquote, almost plays on his tape. And that, that, that bothers me. You talk, you know, uh, a guy like uh, Chaz Surratt, that bothers you, him not getting off blocks. Safeties that they're almost plays, that really bugs me. Because as a safety, you're the last line of defense. And so I really have questions about him holding up as a full-time safety. I think we're looking at him more as a nickel player, um, a, a guy that can uh, you know, help you out on defense. But I, I just, I, I don't know, I didn't see a top 100 pick. I, I think that... You know, he, he gets pinballed too much if he plays too close to the line of scrimmage. So I don't see a strong safety, a guy that you're going to want playing in the box. Um, he can get turned around in coverage downfield. And I don't think he's that elite athlete where he can easily recover after a false step. 
So he has to play because of that lack of size and because he doesn't have elite physical traits in terms of just his athleticism. Uh, I think he his margin for error is so small. And because of that, I, I just uh, he, he worries me. Even though I do like him, I do like the toughness, I do like the competitive style, I have him graded as a fourth, fifth rounder as a nickel-only player. Hmm. So... Who was who was our favorite short safety in last year's draft? I just want to throw that out there. Who all, all around? I mean, I'm Antoine curious. Winfield, exactly. Yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. So I, I'm curious as to where a guy like Washington would stack up with Antoine Winfield Jr. Jeff, is it is he just as good? Is he better than Antoine Winfield Jr. Because this is still a guy who went in the in the second round and has played exceptionally well in his rookie season for Tampa Bay. I mean, I've got them similar. I mean, the difference is that Winfield is a little bit bigger, and he's a little bit better tackler. Yeah. Yeah, Like, what, 25 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, It's wider. Well, I'm also not a weight hater, you know? Like, like, if you get him to the ground, you get him to the ground. And Washington, I do think Winfield is a better tackler. So, there's, yeah, there's something there. Yeah. I think Washington is the better mover now, and this is to Dane's point when he says that he's he, when he's got him as a nickel-only player. That's mostly relevant if you're talking about covering a guy in man coverage. But I think that our Darius Washington is the better cover guy. Um, so I mean, I've got him similarly. If you were just watching tape and you weren't a coward, because even I'm a coward to some extent, if you're just watching tape and you're not a coward, I would put our Darius Washington as a first rounder. But I'm probably going to cheat a little bit and call him like a two because he's Such five a coward. eight. No, I'm not going to be a coward. No, you know what? Hold on, let me click through my things. No, yeah, I have him as a one. I have two Get second round fence. safeties. <laughs> I, have a, I have a first round safety and I have two second round safeties. And the first round safety, I would get an NFL team fired because they'd be like, "Wait, but nobody else is going to pick him in the top 75." And I'd be like, "Yeah, I know." So you guys, we can wait if you want to try to wait, but if we lose him, I'll be mad at you. Uh, and so I would be fighting for that guy just at whatever point you thought you had to take him. And maybe I'd get us all fired because we picked a 5'8 safety in the first round and it didn't work out because he's a 5'8 safety. Uh, and I'd get us all fired. But I believe it, and I think that's, I think that's the point of this. Like, uh, Dane, to me, Dane is the best in the business at this, but I'll still have guys that I disagree on. And this is one of them that I would say I see a guy to me that's similar to Honey Badger. And whether he's playing down, whether he's playing deep, whether he's walking down into the nickel, whether he's a dime linebacker, whether, I don't care what you want to call him, put him on my team. Mm-hmm. I, is there, like, I know you're comparing the Honey Badger, at least that's who he reminds you of. In terms of his body type, is there anybody, like, it's hard to come up with guys that are 5'7 and a half, 180 pounds, that are, you know, impact players in the NFL. And that doesn't, that, before Patrick Mahomes, you know, you couldn't find a Texas Tech quarterback that could, you know, do anything in the NFL. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, there's always going to be a first for everything. So maybe our Darius <laughs> Washington is the first. But finding a five seven and a half quarterback, 180 pounds, or corner, or, or safety, defensive back, however you want to uh, qualify him, there's just not many of those guys. And so it can be tough. I think if, like, uh, uh, Nikel Roby Coleman, uh, who you know had some uh, you know good years in the league as a nickel for the Bills and the Rams and you know he's still floating around the NFL. I mean, I, to me, that's the type of player that I think we're talking about with him. Um, it, it just it's tough to find a comparable for our Darius Washington, Washington in the league, and that doesn't that doesn't mean you dismiss him. It just it makes the likelihood of him hitting uh, significantly lower when you can't really come up with a, a comp to his size and skill set. I kind of thought of Lamarcus Joyner, although I would say our Darius Washington to me kind of moves better. But little guy who plays like their heads on fire, you know. Uh, I think that that's kind of what came to mind for me when watching him. But just I immediately think of the smallest guy I could remember from the last few years. But, <laughs> you know, Lamarcus Joyner a little different. I mean, I think our Darius Washington has the ability to probably cover a little bit better than Lamarcus Joyner did. And I, I don't even know. I Lamarcus Joyner, I believe, is not really. I mean, I don't think he's getting quality playing time for anyone uh, anymore. He had a couple couple years, I know, with the Rams, and then you know you don't hear much. But you know, whatever. Again, he's his own. He's his own player. Ardarius Washington is his own player. I didn't really have a, a problem with your list, Dane. Uh, as I was going down, the, I, would, I would say the problem that I had the is I think you had maybe more too high. 
I, I just mm. I, I just mm. don't see it. You had what in the thirties? You know, 33, to me, yeah. I, I, I'm, I can't tell you with conviction that Morig would crack my top fifty. And maybe that's a homework assignment, and I've got to go do a top fifty now. But like, I, I really don't think he would be there. Um, no, I yeah, think, I get that. And I don't think Javon Holland from Oregon would be there, and I don't think that uh, Cisco, Paris, Fort, none of them. I don't. No. There's not. Yeah. That's why I think that's part of why I like Washington because I just think that he's so much better at football, and that's and that's the risk. Where to Dane's point, that's part of this this process is. How do we just eliminate guys so that we're not taking giant risks? Well, we've never seen a guy who looks like our Darius Washington be a good NFL safety, so do we just eliminate him? Or would I make the passionate plea that once upon a time, Kyler Murray didn't have a chance in hell at playing quarterback in the NFL. Baker Mayfield didn't have a chance in hell at going number one overall. Antoine Winfield used to maybe would have been a fourth or fifth rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, when you've got... Physical. When you don't physically look like what people think every position looks like, you would be taking a giant risk, which is why I would get lucky, and I get. That's why I get to mock draft, and I take Washington in the third no. every time, uh, because that's where I'm taking my first round player is in the third, because no one else <laughs> is going to take him because he's tiny. Now. Uh, just to clarify really quickly, uh, KT brought up LaMarcus Joyner. He did play this year with Las Vegas and actually played ah, quite a bit. Uh, nice. I mean, he was one of their, their better safeties for the Raiders, but kind of on the back end. Now, Dane, whenever it comes to Trayvon Morig, is there just a little bit more of a comfortable feeling with him? I mean, 6'1", 200-plus pounds. I mean, he's kind of that prototypical frame for a safety. He had the seven career interceptions. He was a playmaker. He was an impact guy. And I think if you're looking at a fit specifically for the Cowboys, he might be the better fit for Dallas, even though he might not be as good of a player, at least in Jeff's eyes, as maybe in our Darius Washington and some of these other safeties. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, he's your, in a lot of ways, your traditional free safety, uh, very smooth in coverage. He can quickly transition. I do question how fast he is. Like, I don't know that he's, he's not going to run a 4-4. Um, you know, he might be closer to a 4-6. So I, I think that top end speed, I have some questions about, but he does have some range. He can play both sidelines. Uh, you know, he, I really like his ball searching abilities, uh, the ball skills, the length where he can make plays on the football. Um, he's a solid rap tackler. Uh, he can lasso the ball carrier. He's not an exceptional tackler. So we're talking about a player who I don't love, but you know, I, I like. There, there's things. Uh, there's plenty to like about him. And like uh, you know, KT was saying, I, you know, I, I don't think that he. I don't think he's going to the first round. And I don't feel great about him even as a top 40 player. Uh, this is this is a, another draft where it's just the safety play. It's just it's not great. And there's only one safety in my top 50, and that's Morig. Um, I've got, I think, seven safeties overall in the top 100. Um, and not to pivot the conversation too much, but one of my favorite safeties this year who I doesn't get talked nearly about nearly enough is Richie Grant at UCF, Central Florida. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's outstanding. Uh, former wide receiver who has speed, um, can come downhill, run the alley, and hit. I think that uh, you know he he's he made my top 100. I don't think Richie Grant's being talked about nearly enough. I think he's a top five safety in this class. I would yeah. like to add a guy if I could, guys, on the safeties. And Dane, you have him as your safety three. It's just a weird safety class in that yeah. there's not safeties in this class. Look, the NFL is desperate for dudes that can play center field, and we yeah. can't find them. And I think part of that reason, and this probably elevates a guy like Morig, is part of the reason we can't find them is. The best athletes play receiver, or and corner. when you get or corner. Well, and I I think a lot of them. What happens is because look what's happening in the draft. A lot of times, if you go to college and you show up as a receiver and you can't get on the field, they switch you to corner. And if you're six right. two and two hundred pounds and you can run well, all you got to do is be okay, and you're going to get drafted. Yep. So like you go from receiver, then you go to corner, and then if you can't run well enough, then you go to safety. There's not a lot of dudes that from the age of ten are like, man, I want to play safety. That's what I'm going to be, and so. It's hard to find them. And my third guy and Dane's third guy are the same. And it's, Dane, if I say it wrong, just you'll correct me or Kyle will because you guys are really good at this. Uh, Hamsa Nasiruddin, Florida State. Nasiruddin. So, like, my safeties, all they're very different. I've got got Washington, then Morig. I don't love Holland. So, Nasiruddin. 
And he's like the exact opposite of our Darius Washington. Isn't he yeah. the tallest safety and out of pretty much all the the, the safety prospects? I mean, he's six four. I think yeah, I mean, out of the guys I've got listed here, I don't see another guy that's even close to six four. Maybe Bolden. And I think his arms are about as long as two of mine, and I'm six three. <laughs> so like he's the exact opposite of Washington in that he's kind of a giant at safety. But he's just like he's sort of your box tackling machine, not terrible in coverage, can make some plays in the passing game. And it's just it's weird trying to find great safeties uh, in these draft classes, and I just I don't see them this year. But that's yeah. where the se- uh, senior bowl is going to be like huge for some of these guys. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a guy I like from Pittsburgh, uh, Demar Hamlin. I don't think he yep. made your top 100, Dane. Uh, no. But D- Demar Hamlin is a guy. I watch him on tape. I like it, but the things that he did at Pittsburgh makes me nervous for his size. He's kind of used as a matchup tool, but like I'm not. I'm sitting there watching him and going, "Well, I don't know if he's fast enough to cover the deep part of the field, but I know he can come and make his presence felt in the run game." Even though he's, you know, 10, 15 pounds lighter than I want him to be, you know. And there's like some things there where I'm like, man, I don't know if he was used at Pittsburgh the way he might transition the pros. I also don't know if he's fast enough, and I want to see that at the Senior Bowl. So that's that's one of the guys, you know, that's like, I'm glad that he's going to the Senior Bowl and we can, can watch him a little bit more. So. There are a couple really good group of five safeties that are going to the Senior Bowl that I'm really excited to watch up against maybe some of these power five receivers. James Wiggins out of Cincinnati. I think he could be a, a, a solid player. Richie Grant from UCF. I, I like both of those guys as group of five, kind of middle round prospects. Nothing crazy up near maybe a Morig or a, a, a Nasiruddin or a Washington or something like that. But I do like those guys in terms of uh, maybe kind of group of five talent. Now, Dane, it, it just just for everybody listening, you said that you had seven safeties in your top 100, and that might sound like a lot. But I, I was looking through just kind of comparing – in terms of different positions, you had seven edge rushers in your top 32. So you match the same amount of players, throw them in the top 32, and that's how many safeties you have in all of it. Offensive tackles specifically, you have seven offensive tackles in your top 46. You have seven wide receivers in your top 48. So, I mean, the fact that there is a lack of depth here at safety. Do you think that could entice maybe a team like the Cowboys who desperately need a free safety, desperately need some help on the back end to maybe go and stretch that pick a little bit at two or maybe even three, the, some of those premium day two picks? Uh, I, I hope not because you're reaching on a player. Um, so even though it's a need, you're still reaching. Uh, it's just it, it's hard to find safeties. I mean, the way Jeff set it up was – I think spot on and just because you don't have that guy doesn't mean you should go reach uh, to try and get him so uh, I'm a fan of drafting good players and if there's a better player on the board um, even though it might not be as big of a need that's that's the direction they should be drafting not necessarily reaching for some of these guys even though I mean you know it's only one safety in my top 50 and that's Morig Um, you know and then after that I mean we we talked about it like a guy like Nashville Dean uh, there's just not many safeties that look like him. He's he's different, and so you have to understand uh, how to use a player like that. Um, you know, I think there are some interesting guys. You know, Jamie and Sherwood from from Auburn's an interesting junior who came out and just cracked my top 100. Uh, like him quite a bit. I mentioned Richie Grant, how he's being slept on. So you know, there are some safety options if they want to try and find that position later. But hopefully, they do not reach on a player just because it's a need. It's, it's seven or eights are about the right number. If you go back two years, that's the, the the draft of the Cowboys at Tristan Hill. But we were always kind of talking about Juan Thornhill and the Taylor Raps of the world. Seven safeties go in the top 100. And last year's draft, eight safeties go in the top 100. Mm. Uh, if you remember the uh, you know the Jeremy Chins and the Kyle Duggars of the world and yeah. Ashton Davis and things like that. Um, just for reference, that's what it's going to be probably. It's usually around that area, six to eight safeties in the top 100. And you look at the Cowboys' picks, four picks in the top 105, four, four cracks at it to take a safety. I don't think this team will do it, personally. Um, and yeah, I knew D.C. and Dan Quinn. I don't see them pulling the trigger on a safety. And you know what? I kind of, as much as I, I, I uh, complain a lot about them, uh, quote, ignoring the safety position, and there's no one here blowing me away. So I would kind of just... Uh, See what happens in free agency, maybe. I'm not writing it off. I'm just saying I'm not – it's not going to bother me if they don't pull the trigger on a safety uh, with their top four picks. 
KT and Jeff specifically, I mean, whenever it comes to this front office and you're coming up at 44 and you've got Trayvon Moerig on the board, you've already addressed a big need with your pick at 10, whether it's corner or edge rusher or maybe even defensive tackle if you want to go with Christian Barmore there. You address a defensive need at 10, let's just say that. And Moerig is sitting there at 44. He's the top safety on your board. And he could pair with, with Donovan Wilson. You have those two guys on the backside of the defense. You're, not, you're saying that they won't do that? You don't think they would invest that high of a pick at 44 overall to maybe go get a, a safety, even though he's a Texas kid? He's a guy that's right down the road at TCU. You've seen him play on countless occasions. I mean, they could, but if they feel about him the way that, let's say, um, KT does... And you're at, like, I don't have an idea of what my top 50 would look like. He might be in it. I bet that's a, around the area. Um, but, you know, in a draft, when you get even to 44, I would bet, and maybe Dane can help out here with all the connects in the NFL, I bet it's rare that you get to the 44th pick in the draft and you have that pick and you don't have one of your top 30 players available. Mm. That, right. that the way it, and so. Like, for me, I like what Dane is doing with these edge guys because mine's the same. When somebody's like, hey, who do you like better between so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? And I'm like, dude, I got every single one of them as, like, pick them somewhere around 30. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them. <clears throat> so there's, there's a chance you're going to get there, and do you want to not even necessarily reach? Because if he's your, let's say he's your 45th best player and you're at 44, it's not necessarily a reach. But you look up and you're like, oh, our 28th best player available is available. Like it's um, Basham, the defensive end, or it's Osai. But like, yeah, like you got these, you got these pass rushers that are available. I don't, I don't want to reach because I'm desperate and I need something there. I don't want to. I would rather just sign Xavier Woods on a one-year deal and play him at free safety and go pick the best players. Well, I, I know I, I, last year uh, Antoine Winfield, uh, the Bucks had a pretty high grade on him. And they got him a 45. So, I mean, it, it's it's probably rare for it to happen, but it, one example from last year. Yeah, and I think now that you know, like, we know Donovan Wilson can't cover. No offense, Donovan. Good player, strong safety type. We know he can't cover. So, it's like no. it's very clear what you're looking for. Like, it, it's out there. Is Trevon Morig fast enough to go play free safety for you? I, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, mean, four, I, six, probably. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe not. Okay. That that's just me. I, mean, I don't hate the player or anything, but like I I've got a pretty specific role for you, man. If we're transitioning to playing a lot of cover three and things like that, a lot of single high type stuff, then I gotta have uh, trust and range. And like I, I think his instincts are fine. I just think when it's when we're talking about getting from the hash to the opposite side of the field numbers to go make a play on the ball, I don't know if he can get there, and that that's that, that kind of bothers me. Yeah, I think that's going to be a worry. If he comes out and runs maybe a 4.5 or 4.55 or something like that, a little bit faster than that 4.6 that we kind of talked about earlier as a potential for Morig, and I know there's no combine. I know it's probably going to take place down the road in Fort Worth, but if he comes out and runs something pretty decent, I think his draft stock goes up for me as a free safety because he played a lot of cover three and played a lot of that single high safety during his time at TCU. I mean, they've run a lot of that stuff in the Big 12, and I think he – Uh, could potentially fit alongside Donovan and Wilson quite well. Okay, so when we come back here on the draft show, we went over a little bit here, but uh, let's go into some Twitter on the 20. Lots of really good questions throughout. We're going to kind of rapid fire these when we come back here on the other side of the break on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. 
Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys, and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Talking here on the draft show. <laughs> Having some technical difficulties here overall. Oh, there we go. Okay, now we've got some technical difficulties. And whenever it we're talking. It sounds like we have. Hey, welcome back, everybody. To we never have technical difficulties whenever it comes to going to Twitter on the 20. Chris, can you let me know if we're only hearing Kyle in our Zoom and he's not on air? Because if that's the case, we will just start talking. Is that the case? Uh, uh, All right, rock and roll. It is. We are here on the draft show on DallasCowboys.com. Kyle Yeomans will be connected momentarily. You know, we got to do technical things in this world, and that's tough sometimes. So it's Jeff Cavanaugh, Dane Brugler, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans, who has the Twitter on the 20 questions, is going to be back with us momentarily. So until then, uh, the the run sheet is also on my phone. What's the third segment, KT? You uh, want to do the we'll third do senior segment bowl. here? Uh, senior Bowl stuff, right? So let's, 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 let's talk about Senior Bowl next week. We got a... Uh... Yeah, let's... Let's do Twitter on the 45s, and we'll there talk about the Senior Bowl right here. Well, <laughs> hey, it, my, my top 100, I had 37 players that are on the Senior Bowl roster. So we're talking about some pretty good talent. It's going to be in Mobile next week. Devontae Smith uh, revealed as going to be there. and He's doing a really smart thing, but with no combine, we don't know what the pro days are going to look like. He's going to get some face time with the Miami Dolphins, who own that number three pick. Pretty shrewd move on his part, uh, even though he won't be able to practice with that thumb injury. Um, it's a it's a pretty interesting group with uh, with uh, the, the roster they're putting to, uh, together for the Senior Bowl. What are some of what do you think are some of the um, uh, first of all, Jim Nagy does an incredible job of getting guys because I didn't always think of the Senior Bowl this way, and maybe I just didn't pay enough attention. But I didn't always think of the Senior Bowl as a place where there's a whole bunch of first round picks. But the last few years, I mean, really before Nagy was even taking part in it, was when we were there with Aaron Donald and Zach Martin. But now, I mean, you're getting 1-1. One, one. You're getting quarterbacks who go number one overall. You're getting linemen. and like you're just They get such great players. What are, to you, the, the best groups where, you know, when you're getting to see and getting a hold of the tape of the one-on-ones and all those things of, of your sort of projections, what are the best groups? Uh, you know, I, I don't know that this year we have a lot of the, you know, Top like I th- in my top twenty-five, there's only one guy that's going to be participating, and that's Kadarius Tony. So I don't know that we have a lot of the high-end guys, but in between twenty-five and sixty, there's a lot of senior bowl guys, and I'm interested in the tackles versus the edge rushers. Um, you know, seeing a guy like Alex Leatherwood, 
uh, Alabama left tackle or Liam Eichenberg, Notre Dame's left tackle, going up against one-on-one with uh, some of these edge rushers, whether it's uh, Carlos Basham or Rashad Weaver from Pitt. Uh, that's going to be, I think, a really good matchup. Those offensive line one-on-ones. Uh, a chance to see Deontay Brown, that big, hulking uh, yeah. offensive guard for Alabama. How can he hold up in space? Uh, he came up, came in at number 50 on, uh, on my board. I'm a big fan of Deontay Brown. Uh, how does he do against a, a Levi Onzewiki, who you know is such a violent player at defensive tackle? So... Those one-on-ones in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, should be a lot of fun. And then also wide receiver and uh, and corner. You know, mentioned I mentioned Kadarius Tony. Uh, he is as elusive as it gets as a route runner. His ability to uncover is uh, just dynamic. And how how do corners combat that? Uh, you know, besides just saying a prayer, uh, it's it's going to be tough for those guys in that situation. But you know, uh, uh, Melifon from Syracuse, uh, for example, how does he hold up on the outside? That should be a, a great test. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of those one-on-one matchups that'll be interesting. Last year, whenever the Cowboys were at the Senior Bowl and they had needs of like defensive tackle and and they had edge rusher, I mean, they came out with guys like Neville Gallimore and they came out with guys like Bradley and I at the same time. I see there's a lot of back end cornerback talent. There's a lot of linebacker talent. I mean, we've talked about Baron Browning out of Ohio State on this show before. Jabril Cox on L- from LSU. Charles Snowden from Virginia. These are all guys that I think, at least at linebacker, you can compare that to the corner class as well, that could potentially show out at the Senior Bowl and catch the eyes of maybe some of these Dallas Cowboys scouts. KT, do you think there's a specific position in which the Cowboys will go out and maybe take one of these guys for a moment? I mean, look, yeah, we know they need defense, right? Um, you know, for me, like when I when I think about the Senior Bowl, it, it does help. You know, um, it, it does help to go along and supplement. You know, the tape that you've watched. And I always have a hard time grouping the wide receivers, like ranking the wide receivers. And it's always a little helpful, you know, to see these guys in one-on-one situations and things like that. Just in terms of stacking your players at wide receiver sometimes because there's just so much chaos at wide receiver all the time we know this team needs defense look and there's a, there's a lot of um there's a lot of options that they're gonna have uh with four picks in the top 105 and i look at you know dane kind of mentioned all the defensive tackles i have to spend a lot of time there um you know guys like well i will mention one name that you know like marvin wilson a guy whose tape i loved last year his tape from this year is, uh, you know, a little shaky. What's he going to look like at the Senior Bowl? Um, you know, that's something I'm really looking forward to. Carlos Basham, as Dane mentioned, I mean, that's a guy who are we talking, is that a first-round type guy, or is he a guy who maybe slides and maybe he's there for you at pick 44? I mean, he's a guy who I'm kind of keeping an eye on. But, you know, I think when you look at the linebacker position, you know, I, I like the names that they're going with at linebacker, I'm a big believer in that you can find linebackers who can immediately step in and play for you in the third round, in the fourth round. And I think, we'll see what they do with Jalen. I like the idea of moving Leighton Vander Esch to, to middle linebacker and, and, and mm-hmm. uh, leaving him there if you want to do that and going to find a little faster. You know, I want to get the 225, 230-pound linebacker, the guys who can run. What's Jabril Cox look like? You know, I didn't love his tape at LSU, but I know what he can do, and I know what kind of player he is. And I know he can run with crossing routes, and I know he can cover a little bit and things like that. Maybe that fits this scheme very well. Um, so, I mean, for me, uh, their, their focus will be on defense. Uh, it has to be. It's, it's, it's where they are as a, as a program right now. They have to. So that's what it's going to be about for me. But it's always, like Dane mentioned, the fun stuff is the one-on-ones. Let's not... Let's not lie to ourselves here. The fun stuff is the one-on-ones. It's the big daddies getting after it, and it's the wide receivers and cornerbacks and things like that. That's all great. And there's a couple other things. I just wanted to jump in because I had a thought, because, KT, you were talking about linebacker, and depending on what this team does roster-wise, if Jalen Smith is your middle linebacker, you guys tell me, because I finally am caught up on all the top linebackers. You okay with a 215-pound linebacker these days? Because I am. You okay yes. if I tell you that... Koromoa? Yes. Notre Dame, Koromoa is like an absolute monster. I love him as a linebacker. Some people might think he's a box safety, whatever. He's just a hell of a football player that can cover, that can run, that can tackle. 
Um, he can do everything. You guys okay? Uh, now, Captain Trade Down would be the perfect way to do this. No doubt. But may- maybe he does go in the top 10 to 12, or maybe you can yeah. get him at 15 right. to 20. But you guys cool with rocking with 12. that? No, yeah. I, I do think that if you want him, you got to take him at 10. He's He has rare explosiveness for a 215-pounder, and those guys just don't last. Um, you know, I think we're past the – the point where teams are going to be like oh he's just a, a guy without a position i mean he can do so much he was a perfect fit for that rover position that notre dame used uh where he's a linebacker on some plays he's a safety on others he's a nickel on others i mean he can do so much for you uh now he's he's so explosive and because of that he will fall step quite a bit he'll be caught out of position but you live with that. You live with the inconsistent tape because of the flexibility he gives you, the playmaking range. Um, you know, he's he's that high ceiling chess piece defender. So if you want him, you got to take him at ten. And I I think he was like fourteen or fifteen on my board, which you know I. But I would have no problem taking him at number ten. I think he's that good of a player. He's my linebacker, linebacker one. 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 Hey, look at that. Agreed. Okay, back to back to senior bowl stuff. Sorry for diverting it. Because the other thing that I think is worth talking about, and I'll just probably alley-oop this to Dane because, again, best in the business. Why wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> one of the things that happens at the senior bowl every year is we get all these guys at Ali Marpet. We get all these guys that are from these tiny schools where they have bounce houses in the end zone when you watch them on tape. (laughs) And you're like, oh, congratulations. You're out here pancaking a 217-pound nose tackle. Way to kill it, buddy. Uh, But you get to the Senior Bowl, and suddenly the degree of difficulty changes. And when those guys continue to show out, suddenly a guy who might have been a fourth, a fifth, all of a sudden, it's, holy cow, look at that. Went in the second round. You can make a ton of money as a small school guy at the Senior Bowl. So who are some of those guys that can make a bunch of money here? Uh, I think there are two that immediately come to mind, two offensive linemen. Spencer Brown at Northern Iowa. Uh, this guy's huge. He's you know, 6'8". He's a tight end defensive lineman and eight-man football in high school. Goes to Northern Iowa. They, they bulk him up. He moves really well. Uh, very physical demeanor. It's just, is he powerful enough? Um, what he does during the week at Mobile will help us uh, kind of determine where Spencer Brown belongs. Um, and then Grambling State, David Moore. Uh, he's under six foot one, so he's not going to, uh, you know, the, the maybe on paper doesn't look that great, but he's got almost 34 inch arms. The athleticism's really good. He carries his 320 pounds very well, flexible hips, does great in the open field, so he can pull, he can move. It's just how does he catch up to the speed of the NFL game? That's something that you want to see him against better competition. So seeing David Moore uh, in one-on-ones during practice will help give scouts a a better idea of that. Is he a fifth-rounder or a third-rounder? That's something that the Senior Bowl will tell us. And just kind of piggybacking on that, just the overarching thought from the Senior Bowl, how important it is this year with no senior bowl, with not knowing what the rest of the draft process no is going to be for us. No combine. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, no combine. No, uh, you know, everything's going to be virtual. Um, you know, the one-on-one, the FaceTime. Um, no, the actual FaceTime, not the, you know, Apple software. Uh, <laughs> you know, have, having that actual one-on-one FaceTime in person is so valuable. And the guys at the Senior Bowl are going to have that opportunity where all these juniors, uh, the seniors that didn't make the cut for the Senior Bowl, or maybe the seniors that had an invite but decided not to accept, they're not going to get that. And at the end of the day, you never know. That could be the difference between this year especially when we don't have a combine. That could be the difference between where these guys stack up on teams' draft boards. Uh, that's kind of where I'm looking at for guys on the defensive line. And, I, and of course, the Cowboys took a, a defensive tackle from the Senior Bowl last year at Neville Gallimore. But uh, I also like Washington's L- Levi. Okay, Dane, you're going to have to help me with this one. This is one of the ones I haven't found a pronunciation for you. Onzerike. Onzerike. I, I yeah. like him a lot on tape, but it's 2019 yeah. tape. And he opted out. But now he gets a chance to go to the Senior Bowl. And we kind of mentioned him in passing on Tuesday. But what do you think about what he, he could bring to the table, and then also Marvin Wilson out of Florida State, Malik Herring out of Georgia. There's some really good defensive linemen in this class, especially uh, in the uh, the interior. I also like some of the edge rushers as well. Yeah, I think we we beat up this defensive tackle class maybe a little bit too much because we didn't have that top guy. Uh, you know, maybe Christian Barmore ends up going top twenty. But, you know, overall, it's not the strongest defensive tackle class uh, in terms of first-round players. 
But there's some quality guys on day two, and I think Onzerike, he's right there. I mean, by the time it's all said and done, if he plays up to his ability at the Senior Bowl, I think he could push for first-round status because he's mm. so violent. He's so quick. Uh, you know, he played nose tackle in Washington's 3-4. So, you know, he was constantly lined up over the center, face up, uh, faced a lot of doubles. You know, the stat sheet doesn't look great. But when you watch the film, you just see a guy that doesn't quit. I mean, he just he fires off the snap, consistently make, makes plays away from uh, you know his gap because he's so rangy as a player. Uh, I mean, just calling him active just doesn't do him justice. Uh, he, but that is also kind of where his, his his weaknesses are because he plays so hard that he'll play he'll play tall pad level. He plays a little scattered. Uh, that allows him to be redirected by blockers. But if you're looking for a guy who's uh, a twitchy big man, he's got the violent hands, plays quick, owns Enrique, he's that prototypical kind of three technique. And I think that could be – I wouldn't be shocked at all if we're talking after the Senior Bowl, we're talking about owns Enrique as one of those risers. I like it a lot. And by the way, I was just looking up Spencer Brown. I haven't watched him on tape at all, but you, if you're at the Senior Bowl and you're in Mobile, you're not going to miss this guy because he's going to be wearing one, the Grambling State helmet, and two, he's six foot nine, three hundred and twenty pounds, or at least that's what they have him listed at. I don't know if you can give or take a couple inches there, but I mean that's a massive human being as an offensive tackle. But uh, yeah, plenty of prospects to look at on the uh, the Senior Bowl side of things. When we come back, I promise we'll get to Twitter on the twenty, barring any more technical difficulties. We'll try and get that all figured out. But we'll continue on on the other side of the break here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. All right, here's some Twitter on the 20 as we continue on. It's actually really Twitter on the 48s now as we're getting into the later parts of the show. Kyle Yeomans, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner. And since we're running out of time, we're going to skip the intro and go right into it. This first question comes from, I don't even know how to say this name, uh, Paper Money Museum is what the, the oh. that's what it says on, on Twitter. But it says, great shows, keep up the great work. Twitter on the 20, would you trade Amari Cooper, and I'm going to throw Michael Gallup in here as well, just for the funsies of it, but Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup for a late first round, early second round, and maybe try and draft a quality defensive tackle or free safety. We've talked a lot about those two positions today. He says it opens up the options to draft Kyle Pitts at 10 or even another wide receiver early and save the cap space for guys that are coming up on big contracts. Jeff, what do you say? 
Uh, I think we've gone way too far with the Amari Cooper thing. Um, it's weird how his career path has kind of swung back and forth. Like when they first traded for him, I was like, well, we got to keep in mind that Oakland did let Amari Cooper go for a reason, right? So like that happened. But after last year and watching the year that he just had with the offensive line and the rotation of quarterbacks, uh, Amari Cooper is really important to this team. And I just hope people realize that Amari Cooper is your real life number one receiver. If Amari Cooper wasn't on this team, Michael Gallup's life gets really, really hard. Michael Gallup's not the player that um, you're seeing him being if Amari Cooper's not on this team. So, look, in a world where somebody's going to give you a one or an early two for Michael Gallup when he's got one year left on his deal, sure, you do that. But yeah. Amari Cooper, I would stop thinking about trying to trade him. He's incredibly important to your team. Reed. It's criminal that he was not second-team wide receiver and Cole Beasley was. Well, Cole Beasley was the starting slot on Peter King's all-pro team. Amari Cooper plays some slot sometimes. Uh, (laughs) Here's the the path, quite frankly. uh, Here's the path to getting Kyle Pitts. If you want him, you take him at 10. Like, that's the path right there. No, we have to maneuver everyone else. You're going to have Cooper, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb with Kyle Pitts. That's your team if you do it. But, I, you know, I'm not saying it's what I would do. um, But I'm telling you that... That's what, that's what you do. You just sit there, you take him at 10. You don't have to worry about trading anybody. Um, and I understand the question, what that load up at defense tackle later in the draft, but you're keeping your guys. You're adding Kyle Pitts to that mix. Dane, yeah, I, well, I, I think what uh, Jeff said, if you have someone calls and offers you an early two for Gallup, yeah, you do that. I mean, that, that's, oh, that, that's, that's yeah. pretty... Yeah, that's pretty easy. But nobody's going to do that. They would rather just pick Rashad Bateman or whatever. They're going to pick a four-year cheap player at the top of two. They're not trading for Gallup. Yeah, exactly. That that's it's unrealistic to think that you could probably get that for him. Uh, You know, not that Gallup's not a good player. It's just when you factor in the depth of this wide receiver class and the fact he has one year left on his rookie deal. That that's uh, that those are that's the context of the situation. So yeah, I just. You know, uh, you're not going to give away Gallup. I mean, he's going to be on this team next year. It might be his last year in Dallas. And, you know, I, I I don't think you can completely rule out Kyle Pitts at 10. But, yeah, it's still probably a long shot. So I completely agree with all of you. Don't trade Amari Cooper. I don't know what you would even be able to get for Michael Gallup. The uh, Teams are aware that he's on the final year of his deal as well. I mean, they're not just going to give up premium draft picks in order to get to that point. But wanted to throw that in there because I wouldn't have even remotely thought about the Amari Cooper trade. Gallup would be the only one, but it, it depends on what you just, get at. Just quickly, Kyle, could I yeah. throw this in here? It, in a like in a real crazy world, because Pitts, you wouldn't have to make any moves because he would be playing tight end. Like he would line up wide some or whatever. But you know, if you had an absurd scenario where the Cowboys drafted Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle at number ten, even though you already have your three wide receivers and you wanted to trade Gallup, to me the scenario is you're finding teams that are like you. You're looking around for a team that has a safety or a D-tackle or a whatever that's on the last year of his deal that's not going to sign him, and you're trading player for player with Gallup. You're not doing the draft pick thing. Yeah, no, I would agree with that completely. But uh, moving on with the next question, Randall Walker comes out and he says, I feel like Joseph Osai out of Texas is not being talked about enough as a top-edge talent. Any way that he falls to the second round Dallas pick, or would they have to move back up to get him, Dane Brugler? Osai is really interesting because he's not like uh, he's not an explosive player. Like that, he wins more with motor than he does explosion, and that's okay. I mean, this is this is a guy who his foot is always on the gas. Uh, the the that first step quickness and his ability to just never quit. That leads to production. That that's that's great. You want a guy with that play personality. Uh, he might be the most impressive pursuit player that I've scouted up to this point. Um, I I do think I didn't love him as much as maybe I thought just watching him. You know, seeing Texas play this year on TV. But when I studied the tape, uh, lacks a lot of variety in how he attacks the pocket. Um, you know, he just needs to learn how to harness all that energy to be more efficient, eliminate those wasted steps. Uh, you know, he's he's a little bit inconsistent as a low run defender. So I, I like Osai a lot. I think he's in that late one, early two conversation. So I don't think he lasts as far as what forty. Uh, where they picking forty four? Uh, I don't. I, I don't think he lasts quite that far. But I do think he's probably closer to forty four than ten. 
I have written down in my notes, recognition skills need improvement because there are just some times where he's falling for fakes and things like that. And, uh, another thing I would say, hurt his left shoulder in 2019 and 2020, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that old shoulder on uh, Joseph Asai. A hard guy. I mean, the, the effort is, is incredible when you watch it, but I, I have my questions about him being a you know, top 40 pick even. So, I mean, I, I like the tape. I enjoy the player. It's just... Eh, you know, you start, maybe he falls to you at 44 and he's an option. Uh, I need to know more about this shoulder, though. That's concerning yeah. to me. No, that's a good point because I think whenever you look at Texas tape, he sticks out. I mean, he's the guy that's making yeah. plays defensively, and he's the guy who, like you said, it's the hustle, it's the motor, it's the leadership. You see all of that whenever he was playing on that Longhorn defense, and I think that's something that you got to put in there is that injury history and then also the fact that there are some inconsistencies with this tape, but it's something that might potentially be coached out in the future. Okay, Daniel Roberts asked, and he asked this on Twitter a couple times the other day as well, but he said, I feel like they jumped the gun on the NFL Combine. He thinks that the Combine would be a perfect situation for a bubble, kind of like the NBA. He wanted a, a Combine bubble, and he's asking, how can they do the Senior Bowl and no Combine? So kind of shifting this question around, Dane, why would the NFL prioritize not having the Combine in, in order to keep these players and these coaches safe? Well, we're talking about a lot fewer players um, at, the, at the Senior Bowl, uh, like a third fewer um, so right there, that's that we're talking about a lot of guys. Um, also, you know, like NFL teams, I think they're only allocated maybe 10 per uh, per team in terms of scouting personnel. So I mean, this year's Senior Bowl is not going to be like just any old, old Senior Bowl. It's going to be very, very different uh, how they're doing it. And we're talking about a lot less people than the Combine. The Combine is, you know, when you when you include all the NFL personnel. You include all the players. You include all the media that goes to the combine. You're talking about, I don't know, 2,500, 3,000 people alone. Just, just, just that those groups. So it's just the, the sheer numbers are tough. Um, now I, I'm surprised they didn't figure it out. I thought they would would have been able to figure out a bubble. But you know, you also have to have Indianapolis play ball. Uh, it's not just the NFL wants it to happen; it'll happen. Uh, you have to have, uh, you know, the stadium, the convention center, all these different moving parts be on board. And so it just became too much, and they decided for this year. And I, the, I don't think the combine's going away full time because there's, there's so much. It's the second biggest event on the entire NFL calendar. So I don't think it's going away for good. There's too much that happens there. Um, it's just, it's, it's just a bummer that we won't have it this year. This will be my first time since. Gosh, I don't know, 08 that I won't be at the Combine. So it's just a, not having that February trip uh, to Indianapolis is going to be weird. It's going to be really weird, I think, overall. I mean, even last year, the Combine kind of felt like the last big event prior to COVID really taking over. Yeah. I remember sitting in the, the, the hotel room looking at a TV screen talking about coronavirus. I was like, what is that? I mean, that, yeah. was, that was crazy, what, the, the kind of timing that went down with it. Now, this one's for KT, and this is from Red on Twitter. He said, can we get a breakdown on Aleem McNeil, defensive tackle from yeah. NC State? He oh, said Dane hates he's disappointed him. that uh, he didn't come up in the defensive conversation on Tuesday. Jeff, did you say you hated him? Oh, no, I said Dane hates him. I saw that oh. Dane had him in his oh. top 100. Hey, yeah. he's in my top 100. I know, but he had him as DT eight. I've got him as DT like three or four. Wow. Like yeah. He is my as I pull up my thing here. One, two, three, four. Yeah, DT four. Uh, I think he's awesome. And if he play, if he truly played at three thirty five last year, uh, no one no one moved like three thirty five. You would think this guy's a lumbering guy. This guy's explosive. Um, you know, played nose primarily at NC State, but the get-off is there. The quickness for his size is there. He was double-teamed all the time at NC State. But, you know, when he did get the chance to rush the passer, it was a one-on-one -on -one situation. You'd see him walk the, the center back. Um, you know, I think to me, he also played outside. What's interesting about him, so he ran a 4-2-7 short shuttle in the past, which technically would be faster than both Bradley Chubb and Montez Sweat, just to give <laughs> you an idea of his quickness. <laughs> Like, that is a dude who can move. Um, so, you know, I, I, I need to see him play with better technique. That, that's a big problem with him. But the speed, the agility, and then the power that he plays with, it's all there. Uh, I really loved his tape, and I've got a second-round grade on him. What don't yeah, you I, like about him, Dane? 
Well, I, I don't. I didn't see the most rangy player, and you know, part of it they, they played him as a nose tackle, head up over the center, um, primarily in, in that that odd front that they run. Um, he was part of a big rotation. I think that helped him stay fresh. I think I like him. I mean, I, I think he's uh, he's heavy-handed. Uh, he's he's got that thickness to him. Uh, you know, the thick thighs, the thick torso, big bubble. Uh, plays close to the ground, uh, and that allows him to help you know eat up blockers, win gaps. Uh, it reminded me of Javon Hargrave type, uh, that type mm. of defensive tackle. So no, I'm I'm a fan, and you know maybe I do have him a little bit too low because I, I I do like him. I, I do think he's a solid player. I just in terms of impact potential, um, you know, in terms of uh, you know influencing the backfield and things like that, I have some a little bit of questions there. But I, I do think he's a solid player. I like him up there. I have him as as DT3 as well. I'm right there in that 3-4 range. Him and Marvin Wilson kind of go back and forth to me a little bit. But I'm interested to see what Wilson does at the Senior Bowl. Plenty more to come here from these four guys on the draft show. Back next Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time. We will be back with these three on Tuesday. You will be with Brian Broaddus, Bucky Brooks, and David Hellman. But for Dane Brugler, for Jeff Cavanaugh, for Kevin K.T. Turner, and Chris Bean back in the studio, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of The Draft Show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this?